1: 49ers made a crazy trade before the draft. I finally figured out why. Helmets Off is on. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Helmets Off. Scott Mitchell, your host here. Uh, Exciting show today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Like us on Facebook at the Helmets Off Podcast, Twitter at the Helmets Off Show. Uh, any questions, anything you want to know, I'm happy to answer. Uh, but really, we, uh, we really appreciate you uh, tuning in to what we're doing. Okay, off off the bat, we got a fun show. We've got uh, a whole bunch of youths <laughs> were drafted last year. And several made significant impacts on the teams that they were drafted to this past year. And talk a little bit about uh, kind of some of the impacts. Who, who's, who's, who do I think is going to really play well and who needs to step it up and uh, some of the prospects for these guys. Ironically, Utah didn't have a pro day this year. They didn't even have any players uh, leave. Everyone stayed home. So uh, they think there's big things happening <clears throat> up on the hill for the Utes, and I would agree. There has been so much buzz about this year's draft so much buzz and uh, a lot of it has been around these quarterbacks you know there's five of them that are in significant discussion for the first round most teams well let's say all teams realize that uh, quarterbacks are if you get the right one and you get a good one life is good you look at Kyler Murray the success he's been having Baker Mayfield's turned a corner. Justin Herbert, uh, some of these young guys. Joe Burrow was looking good before he got injured. These guys can play. And if you find one that can play, you're you're so far ahead of the game. So the question is, who's going to play from this group? And a lot of people are high on a lot of these quarterbacks. But there's some interesting things that have happened. And it finally dawned on me what it was. I'm going to share that with you today. And then, of course, the Utah Jazz. Have the best record in the NBA, uh, lifelong Utah Jazz fan here. Fun fun discussion about the Jazz and, uh, you know, can they hold on to that top spot? Who do they play in the West? And can the Jazz make the NBA Finals? Well, we'll find out and I'll give you my two cents on it. So here we go. Okay. Uh, last year, uh, Julian Blackman had a tremendous year for the Indianapolis Colts, Zach Moss was playing pretty good and, and contributing with the Buffalo Bills who had a nice run in the playoffs until he got injured. Jalen Johnson on a very good Chicago bears defense. Are they going to be better this year? Uh, is the quarterback position going to improve? Are they going to get more offense to go with that really good defense? It, and if, if so, uh, the Chicago bears could be a good team this year. Uh, Bradley and I, was with the Cowboys didn't play a whole lot. Lecky Fotu had a pretty decent year. Tyler Huntley actually came off of the practice squad and got to play in the actual game squad for the uh, Baltimore Ram- Rams, Baltimore Ravens. And then of course uh, Terrell Burgess was with the uh, with the Rams. So there, there's the Ravens, and then there's the Rams. Anyways, um, so kind of my two cents on this whole thing about who who did well and who didn't do well and, and uh, who needs to kind of step up the game, so to speak. So uh, I'll tell you who was was phenomenal. And it was really fascinating to watch Julian Blackman make the transition from cornerback to safety. And, and uh, I just remember watching the USC game, and he was it – was, it was really bad. It was really bad. And it was bad in the angles he took and his drops and – but from that moment forward, Julian Blackman was really special. I mean, he was, he was incredible um, how he just, he just morphed into becoming a safety and was very effective as, as a safety at the University of Utah. And then he blows out his ACL in uh, early December. Well, really, I guess it's late November. Right, right around the 1st of December, the Pac-12 championship game. And you're just like, Oh but he's, he's able to come back from that and plays just exceptional as a rookie. I mean, he, here's a guy that I think, you know, they didn't have as much expectation, but was a massive contributor for the Colts and the Colts as their owner said, well, we're just a quarterback away from a championship. So they have Carson Wentz and they've got some really good young, talented players on their football team. It, it It's going to be fun to watch and see how they continue to progress. But uh Julian Blackman might end up being a really solid star uh, in the NFL as a safety uh, after his rookie season. So watch you know uh, Marcus Williams, who was another safety from Utah, went to the Saints. Of course, he had that one of the craziest plays I think I've ever seen when the Saints lost in the last seconds to the Minnesota Vikings, where he kind of whiffed on a tackle and and uh, closed his eyes and went for the kill shot. And, kind of missed the guy completely. Anyways, uh he uh, has been a tremendous player for the Saints, was franchised by them this year and actually uh has been a Pro Bowl player. So uh it, it'll be it'll be interesting to to watch Julian Blackman uh as he moves forward. So we like we like him and he's doing well. Zach Moss is interesting because Zach Moss is a guy that he you know, it's his rookie year, and guys are trying to figure out how to run in the NFL. And he's one of these guys that he just gets better and better and better as time goes by. Like, and, and I believe that he'll be so much better from his first to second year. But he, he's a guy who, you know, he's got to be on the field because he, he doesn't have a, a big enough window to where he can just, you know, make the club on the, in the tub, so to speak. Zach is a is a guy that doesn't need a big hole. He's a strong runner, but he's also got some speed and he's a great pass catcher and he fits very well into what the Buffalo Bills do. And a lot of it is because of Josh Allen, where Josh Allen uh, is really good at extending plays and finding those kind of underneath guys in holes after after he's able to do that. And so so back and, and then, of course, Zach can can run the ball as well. So it's a good fit, a good complement to what the Buffalo Bills are doing. He's just got to stay healthy. Uh, otherwise, you know, because the problem with Zach Moss is that you can find Zach Moss in a lot of other running backs. And, and running back is not priority A anymore in the NFL like it used to be. And so, so the type of running back that you need and want and, and can get, you can get in late rounds, and they're very replaceable, very replaceable. But having a really good one, of course, is is a good thing. I mean, you know these uh, uh, Saquon Barkley and and Ezekiel Elliott and some of these top rushers in the league. They're you know they're worth they're worth it. But you can get a lot of production out of running back from late round picks. And Zach Moss is a great example of that. But there's problem is there's just a lot of Zach Mosses out there, and that makes it a problem. Jalen Johnson. Cornerback for the Chicago Bears started from day one, probably between Julian Blackman and Jalen Johnson. I mean, these two guys are, are uh, you know, should have really good long careers. Jalen, uh, you know, just needs to continue to work on his technique. And uh, there were times, you know, he, he got beat just getting that comfort level and in, in how he plays in that defense and being a little bit more aggressive. On some of the run stop stuff, but Jalen Johnson's a heck of a player, and and uh, he's another guy that you just expect to take a next level uh, jump uh, between Julian Blackman, Jalen Johnson. Those guys are really, really the guys that uh, um, can really take a step forward. A guy like Bradley and I, it's a tough situation because he's undersized, and you just have to be lightning fast if you're going to be an undersized guy and. An NFL offensive lineman can kind of handle uh, Bradley and I, so to speak. So it's it, you know, and, and the Cowboys need what he has. They need they need an edge rusher on that defense, and uh, you know, he he's a guy that's probably he's going to have a tough go of it, and uh, it'll it'll be a challenge for him. Tyler Huntley, you know, he may he may evolve into a pretty decent guy because Tyler Tyler can throw the ball. Tyler's got a pretty strong arm. He's not a runner. Tyler Huntley is not a runner. He's not Lamar Jackson. Uh, so, um, but he may be a better thrower. And then you've got Leckie Fotu, who Leckie Fotu could have a great career being a a really good role player on a defense. You love those defensive linemen. Stout. They can fill holes. You know, they don't get beat, blown off the line of scrimmage, and and he can he can have a long, successful career in the NFL. As an interior defensive line, and then Terrell Burgess uh Francis Bernard, and of course uh julian or uh, uh Guidry uh were kind of free agent guys, and uh you know it's just it's hard it's hard to say I really like Terrell Burgess, and we'll see where it ultimately goes for him. He's with the Rams, but uh um you know he he had some injuries and and didn't see a whole lot of play time. all right, we're gonna take a break, we come back, <laughs> yes. The 49ers, they made a bold move. And a lot of people were like, why are you making that move so early? Well, I'm going to tell you why, because I know. And no one's talked about it. You're listening to Helmets Off. We'll be back.
0: A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind
1: of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today.
0: Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to... Or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right, sports fans, welcome back. Uh, Scott Mitchell here, and in his helmet's off. And of course, uh, the, the there's so much buzz with this NFL draft coming up in a short period of time. I mean, all these mock drafts and all these oh, you know, nitpicking about all these. Players and the only players, the only players anyone is even talking about are these quarterbacks. Like they don't, they're not talking about anybody else but the quarterbacks. And and it's kind of crazy because there are some really, really good wide receivers in this draft. Uh offensive linemen, not so great. There's some good defensive rush players, but it is definitely a quarterback and a and a wide receiver draft. And of course. Ah, uh, Kyle Pitts, tight end, might be the next. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame tight end, and with the way the tight end position is in the NFL right now, would be a phenomenal addition for whoever gets him. I mean, he's he he's going to be a difference maker for sure. Uh, which is so funny because tight end was such an afterthought position when I played in the NFL, but it's uh, and there were some great tight ends, but it it just doesn't have the the integration and the, the cache that, uh, you know, it, 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 like it just, it's just amazing. With some of these guys and they're good. I mean, it's awesome to see. Uh, so here, here's what's going on, right? Everybody, everybody knows who's going to get picked, which I think is kind of a guessing game for a lot of people. There is not a question in the world. Trevor Lawrence is going to go to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that was established when he had his pro day and Urban Meyer is not in the background with all the other coaches. He's right up under center and he's watching Trevor Lawrence from about as close as you could get to him without being him. And I, I I remember watching Trevor Lawrence's pro day going, well, he's going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's, that's obvious. And he should. And and I think it's a really good pick, and it's the right thing. But so, but the thing about it is, everybody knows. Like everybody knows way before the draft, Trevor Lawrence. Like there's no secret, there's no gamesmanship, there's no question, there's no do we need to look at anyone else? Do we need to find you know? Do, what's wrong with him? I mean, they got this. It's, it's crazy. What's I love where people start nitpicking things, and and I, you know, I nitpick things. I think, or maybe I don't. I actually don't think I do. I, I, there's certain details that I think are critical and important that I see. Uh, and, and, and it's really with Zach Wilson uh, where everyone just said, oh, he killed it in his, in his pro day. And I'm like, well, killed it is a strong word. And, and there were some things that were, you know, some bad throws. And there were some things, average throws and accuracy was good. But sometimes it wasn't great, and and he, he and it's not it's not like oh don't draft him because of it because he's got good mechanics he's got a strong arm uh, he'll he'll practice his way out of those things hopefully you know if he has good practice habits and he's got a good coach uh, you know those are things that are you know I'm not going to sit here and go oh don't draft him for that but it's just early on he may struggle a little bit um, and it'll be magnified. Because he's he's going to be a massive upgrade from the competition that he's been playing against. But all these teams are just like, where's Zach? you know, where's Justin Field? I mean, everyone forever had Justin Fields as the as the number two, everyone. And then Trey Lance from North Dakota State. Everyone's like, this dude is a specimen. And then Mac Jones. And everyone was like, well, he's a product of Alabama system. He had all these great players. He's just a very average guy. But there's a lot of guys that are high on Mac Jones. And a lot of it I have to, I have to believe is, is Nick Saban. And I think Nick Saban has a lot of respect from people in the NFL. And they go, well, you know, what does Nick think? But also Steve Sarkeesian was his coach. And he ran a very sophisticated offense in college. Essentially, there's not a lot of guys in the in in college football that are running NFL-style offenses. Alabama, Steve Sarkeesian, maybe one of the few. So, so he's about as pro-ready as far as understanding protections, understanding all of these things. However, Trey Lance kind of had that sophistication in what he was doing. At North Dakota State, even though it wasn't with the same competition, you know, understanding so much more younger is such a benefit for a quarterback where you understand protections and because it's, 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 it's complicated in the pros. It's sophisticated, but here's the thing finally dawned on me today with all this buzz and all this energy and all this excitement and all this discussion and debate about all these quarterbacks. I finally figured out why the San Francisco 49ers made such a bold move and made it so early. Clearly they're moving up for some purpose. But most teams don't do this by, but before the draft. They do it on draft day, but nobody just, you know, the, there's not this scrambling and there's not this fighting and so there's somebody that they want to get and they don't want anyone else to to Move into that spot. It's like we we're gonna go early, we're gonna be decisive, we know who we want, but here's the challenge: they don't know what's gonna happen ahead of them. It's like, why did they go all the way to three? Why why did they not and why did they do it so early? Because you don't know you don't know what number one is, and you don't know what number two is unless you have a relationship. So the new head coach of the New York Jets is the former defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. And I guarantee you the 49ers called him up and said, buddy, um, what, uh, what are you going to do? <laughs> like who are you picking in the draft? And have you made that decision on who you're picking? And are you for sure going to pick that guy? And, of course, he's going to share the information because a lot of people, you don't have that kind of relationship, right? I mean, it's, it's people you're competing against. Um, but, you know, the, the 49ers fortunately have that. And not only that, the 49ers are in the NFC. The Jets are in the AFC. So the Jets go, without question, we're picking Zach Wilson. Now, uh, we're, we're picking Zach Wilson now the 49ers go hooray because they probably didn't want zach wilson but they had their eye on somebody else and it's and they're they're being so coy about it they went to the alabama workout why did they go there they went there and they didn't talk to nick saban and maybe they didn't talk to nick saban because maybe Nick Saban is maybe they're mad at him. Maybe, you know, who knows, but like, and he, and he, but then Nick Saban's like, well, you show up at our workout and you don't even come talk to me and you're interested in my quarterback with the third pick in the draft. Why would you not come and talk to me? And they could, they could feel like a lot of people were trying to, you know, um, they have their eye on a guy, and, and, and they feel like if we tip our hand early, something bad's going to happen, or we don't want people to know what we're actually doing. But we know who number one is, we know who number two is, and we're safe at number three. No one's talked about this yet, and, 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 and I couldn't understand why, why would the Jet or why would the 49ers move so decisively so early before the draft and move so high and give up so much unless they had a massive conviction on a guy that they felt they needed <coughs> to compete in the uh, NFC West and the only way they could get that intel is by having the relationship with the new regime which they do have and so it's really, whoever they pick, and, and again, they're being coy about it. Everyone's saying uh, Mac Jones, and now everyone's saying Justin Field. And I think they like that. But I think they, they've already known, and they know exactly what they're going after and who they're going after. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's Mac Jones, just because he's been in that sophisticated offense. He's a guy they know that will play within their offense. They don't need a superstar. They just need someone to execute their offense, and they'll be a very good football team. And probably, you know, in, in a short order, uh, you know, continue to compete for championships. All right, going to take another break. Utah Jazz, best record in the NBA. Who are they going to play? Where are they going to play? What, what place are they going to be in? And can they go to the NBA Finals? I'll tell you that when I come back. All right, welcome back. Helmets uh, off. Uh, Scott Mitchell here final segment of the day and yes the utah jazz and, and it's it's baffling to me The utah jazz have the best record they've had the best record in the nba for some time now and nobody talks about the utah jazz they don't talk about any jazz players for mvp they don't uh ben simmons is on his own campaign to um you know demonize Rudy Gobert and say, you know, he doesn't cover point guards uh, on defense. and doesn't guard point guards. And therefore Ben Simmons should be the defensive player of the year. And it's just a laughing joke because Rudy Gobert is, is amazing as a defensive player. Amazing. And he's gotten better. Uh, He's like Rudy Gobert might be playing the best he's ever played in his career right now. And a lot of it is he's really focused on the defensive end of the court, but he's still a very effective offensive player for the Jazz. He is really understanding his role and how he works and how he fits into the Utah Jazz seamlessly. And it's very impressive where Rudy Gobert is. But no one on the Jazz you know, is, is, is mentioned for anything. And Jordan Clarkson, sixth man of the year, but everyone is like, well, you know, um, who are the Lakers going to play in the NBA Finals? Or who are the Clippers going to play in the NBA Finals? Is it, is it going to be Philadelphia? Is it going to be uh, the Brooklyn Nets? Who is it going to be? But the, the Utah Jazz have the best, have had the best, and will have the best record in the NBA by the end of the season. They have an easy schedule. And they have, uh, uh, you know, so so winning, and they've consistently won throughout the season in, in, a, in a similar type of schedule. I mean, their schedule was harder earlier in the year and they still are winning. They're a very good basketball team. They're a very complete basketball team. They understand very well their personnel and how they fit into what they do. Uh, and the Jazz are going to be a tough out. And they're going to be an even tougher out in the in the NBA playoffs if certain things can happen. So for the Utah Jazz, if they can have home court advantage throughout the entire playoffs, including the NBA championship. I believe they can actually win a championship. I know it's crazy, but, but they can't, I mean, there's no dominant team in the NBA, the Brooklyn Nets. Yes. They, they have bought a team, but a team that so far has not been able to stay healthy. Uh, are they going to gel enough uh, to be a, you know, to be a, a dominant team uh, in the playoffs. I don't know. I really don't know. I would not be surprised if they have one or two significant injuries going into and maybe even through the playoffs that could really hurt them. So I'm, I'm, I'm just not convinced completely that they're a complete team gelled to really, really make a run at a, at a championship. And they're good. I mean, James Harden Kevin Durant, all of them, uh, Kyrie Irving, you know, uh, Blake, Griffiths, um, they're tough. They're a tough, tough team. Uh, the 76ers don't, don't scare me. That's the second best team. The jazz, the jazz can go, they have home field, home court advantage. They can beat the 76ers in, in a championship run. They they can. And it, they just can So what, what will be hard for the jazz is to have to beat the clippers and have to beat the lakers and have to beat a really good 8 seed team that's kind of surging at the end of the year. And so they really want to get the right bad team. <laughs> and that's that's up in the air right now because there's so many teams that are close and they'll have those play in games for that last spot. They've owned the Memphis Grizzlies, but you know that that could change in the playoffs, but but they they match up well against the Grizzlies. Steph Curry is always going to be a challenge. I would not be surprised if the if the Golden State Warriors are somewhere in the mix by the time of the playoffs. Uh, but I still think the Jazz, the one team that scares me, who's a seven seed right now, but who actually has a really easy schedule, is the Dallas Mavericks. I don't want to play the I don't want to play the Dallas Mavericks if I'm the Utah Jazz uh, early on in the playoffs. I just don't. But uh, here's a couple of scenarios where. It could really benefit the Jazz if they if if these seedings play out the right way. Number one, the Jazz have to be the one seed. They have to be the one seed, and they have to have the best record in the NBA. Period. Uh, if they if they're really going to have a shot, and they can do that, it's not it's not an unrealistic expectation or or actual. Um, you know, it's not it's not asking for the moon. So they're one, they're going to play a Golden State-ish, uh, Memphis Grizzly type of team, okay? Now, two and seven play, right? That's Phoenix. Um, that potentially could be, um, probably still will be Phoenix. Um, but then here's, here's the interesting scenario that, that, that happens next. Is three and six. And right now, three and six is Portland and um the Clippers okay uh that's a you know that 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 what what we don't want to happen if you're a Utah Jazz fan is we need the Lakers who are five to drop to six so let's say Portland moves past them or let's say let's say um The Dallas Mavericks jump a couple of spots because they've got a fairly easy schedule and they're kind of surging right now. And let's say they go all the way to five, push the Lakers to six. So now you have three and six playing each other. You have the Clippers and the Lakers playing each other in round one. How beautiful is that? And what what you don't want to have is... Well, so the other scenario is that someone moves the Clippers out of three and they go to four, and that's the Denver Nuggets. Now, the Nuggets are a team that could slide because they, they lost Jamal Murray for the season. So, so that's going to be tough for them to fill that spot. You could, see, you could see the Nuggets sliding. You could see the Mavericks actually rising. And if you can get a 3-6 with the Lakers or you could get um, a 5-4 with the Lakers and the Clippers playing each other in the first round, that eliminates the potential of you having to play the Lakers and the Clippers in the playoffs. And that would be huge for the Utah Jazz. So so the Jazz, or let's say that's the best-case scenario. Because otherwise the Jazz would end up having to play, assuming that the Clippers and the Lakers won, they'd have to play probably the the Lakers in round two and then potentially the Clippers for the finals, the Western Conference finals. And that's a tough road. (laughs) I mean, that's not easy. Uh, So if you could somehow finesse a way for the Jazz to be playing, for the kind of, you know, the cannibalism where the, the LA teams kind of, you know, cancel each other out. The jazz have a real shot to go all the way to the finals and potentially win them. All right. Helmets off is now off. Thank you for joining us. Tune in to all those uh, social sites and like us. And until then, well, we'll see you then.